Hey, this is Jason Byler. I'm the pastor of uh, Life Change Church. I want to thank you so much for checking out our podcasts. I'd like to ask that uh, you would listen to Revelation chapter 1, which reminds us that there's a wonderful blessing that comes to those who read and study the Word of God and take it into your heart. So just as you listen to these podcasts, uh, just try to open your heart and receive the Word of the Lord. We believe it'll change and transform your life. Again, thanks so much for uh, checking these out. I pray you'll be greatly blessed by them. Thank you. God bless. Well, I am, uh, it is Labor Day weekend, and I am so very thankful uh, for all of you uh, who have chosen the church this morning. Uh, God bless you. And uh, so thankful for all of you uh, who are joining uh, online. Uh, we know that this is a crazy time uh, that we are living in uh, and uh, that this has been an unusual, uh, very different uh, year. And, uh, and, and we need to be praying about these things that are uh, about this virus. We need to continue to pray and we need to be praying uh, for our country uh, in, this, in this time, uh, in this year. Uh, and, and one of the things that this has stirred up and I think it's a very good thing, is discussion about the times, about, about where we are in time, and about what has been, and about what is uh, coming. And we have been in this now for, for a good little while, but I think it's right, uh, I think it's okay, and I hope nobody's bored or, or frustrated with it. We are, we are nearing uh, the end of it, and this is, this is so very uh, important, uh, this discussion of the times. Of course, you know, when you start talking about the future times, one of the books that you've really got to land in and, and pour through is the book of Revelation. And, and we have, we're getting very near the end of the book of Revelation. I said this last Sunday, but I think this is so important. I want to say this to you again that I just want to greatly encourage everyone and all of you uh, watching uh, to, not, to, to study the book of Revelation, yes, but you know, if that seems overwhelming to you, then just hone in on the, on the last four chapters of the book of Revelation, 19, 20, 21, and 22. I feel like that is a, a, a doable bite-sized portion that we can hone in on, that we can read and study. And I think every Christian, young and old, needs to work on coming to the place where they can, I'm not saying you got to memorize it word for word, but think your way through the last four chapters of the book of Revelation and be able to, if someone asked you, say, say, well, this is, this is how the chapter 19 unfolds and this is how it rolls into chapter 20 and this is how chapter 21 unfolds and this is how chapter 22 unfolds. We need to understand this. We need to have revelation of this. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that this isn't going to take work, right? But that's what understanding, knowledge, and wisdom, that's where it comes from. It comes from W-O-R-K, hard work, right? You got to go get it, dig for it, fight for it, work to receive it. And if you'll put in the effort in, in these last four chapters, then 
then you will begin to understand and see two things that are incredibly important, two, two revelations that are incredibly important that each and every one of us need to have. There are two revelations that we see unfold, not, not just in those four chapters, in the entire book, but man, do they unfold in the last four chapters powerfully, clearly. I, I think it doesn't take you know, a scholar to figure them out. They, they jump right off the page at us if, we're, if we are studying and looking. And I promise you, if you will, if you will filled with the Holy Spirit, put in the work, you're going to begin to learn it. You're going to begin to understand it. If you will ask the Holy Spirit to instruct you and teach you, the Holy Spirit will instruct you and teach you, and you will begin to receive two very, very, very important revelations that each and every one of us need. Let me share them with you, and then we'll, we'll move into it. First revelation that we see in this book, but especially in 19, 20, 21, and 22, and, and maybe you write this down, is, is we see the glorious inheritance of the saints. It, it might even be a good idea to, like, to like write that down at the top of the page and then just study through these last four chapters and just record everything that would fall under the glorious inheritance of the saints. And when I say glorious, man, do I mean glorious. Our inheritance, I say our because I count myself among the saints. I have put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He is my passion and my desire, my life. Our glorious inheritance is glorious. It is wonderful. It is, it is beyond comparison. It is so important that we have this revelation of the glorious inheritance of the saints. This is why Paul would pray. In Ephesians 1, this is one of my favorite prayers in Scripture, Paul would pray for the church, the, the church, I'm sure he prayed for all the churches this way, but, but he specifically says it to the, to the Ephesian church, and he says, he says in Ephesians 1, he says that I pray that you would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you would know God better. And he said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, may be opened, that you would see the glorious inheritance that is the saints. He said, I want you to be filled with hope. I want you to get a revelation of the inheritance that is ours, the inheritance that awaits us. And as we look at chapter 19, chapter 20, chapter 21, chapter 22, we start to receive this powerful revelation of our inheritance that awaits us. Paul got a glimpse of it. He had a vision of it. He started to realize it. That's why he could say things like he says in 2 Corinthians 4 where he says we are hard pressed on every side but not crushed. Perplexed but not in despair. Persecuted but not abandoned. Struck down but not destroyed. He says therefore we do not lose heart though outwardly we are wasting away. Yet inwardly we are being renewed day after day. He says our life and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. Where, where's he thinking? Where's he looking? 
right? He's not all caught up in our light and momentary troubles. He's not, woe is me, this has been a terrible 2020, right? He's saying, everything I'm going through and all that I'm facing here in this time is achieving for me an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. When you start to understand your glorious inheritance, the glorious inheritance that is the saints, then, you, then, then what Paul says there in 2 Corinthians, it might not make sense, but when you have a revelation of your inheritance, it starts to make sense. And you start to see, yeah, everything I'm going through is worth it if it gains for me my glorious inheritance. This is why Paul can end that chapter by saying this, that we therefore don't fix our eyes on what is seen. Because what is seen is what? It's temporary. He said, but we fix our eyes on what is unseen because what is unseen is eternal. We don't fix our eyes on what we see here, all that's temporary. We have got a revelation of our eternal home, of our glorious inheritance, and we fix our eyes on what is not seen, but what we know from revelation, because that is eternal. This is such an important revelation because if we don't have this revelation, we can so easily get our eyes on what is seen and we can shift back into what Jesus told us not to shift back into. We can shift back into working to lay up treasures on earth where moss and rust and rust corrupt and where thieves break in and steal. But what did Jesus say? He said, don't do that. Why? Because all that perishes, all that's temporary, all the money you can gain and everything you can buy with it and build with it is all going to perish. So don't worry to lay up treasure on earth. He says, what does he say? Treasure in heaven. Fix your eyes on what is unseen because treasure in heaven is not going anywhere. No one can steal your inheritance. No one can tear it down or destroy it. No moth is going to devour it. No rust is going is to is destroy it. It is eternal. It will last and stand. This is such an important revelation because we need it to keep us on track. Otherwise, the deceptiveness of this world can start to pull us and lead us astray to where we are working for the treasures that will perish instead of the treasures that will for eternity last. Another passage of scripture you need to, you need to really look at is Genesis 25. This is the story of Esau and Jacob. This is incredibly important because Esau is the firstborn son of Isaac, who is, Isaac is the firstborn son of the promise of Abraham. Of Abraham and Sarah, he is the promised born son. He is the firstborn son of Abraham and Sarah. And so the birthright and the blessing and the covenant that God has established with Abraham, plus all of his worldly riches, a very wealthy man, are passed down to Esau. Esau as the firstborn son. And Esau has a brother named Jacob who is the second born son. Even though they're twins, they're separated by minutes because Esau came out first. You're, you're familiar with the story. I talked about it last Sunday. This is so important. The reason why it's so important is because Esau ends up trading his birthright, which, which could never be taken, 
trades it for a bowl of stew on a day that he is hungry, that only lasts him for minutes and only satisfies him for hours. He lays down all of that for stew. And and this happens to us if we do not see our eternal home, our glorious inheritance. We will trade it for things that are just bowls of stew that only lash for a moment and only satisfy for even less than that. We will trade our glorious inheritance and we cannot do this. Chapter 25 of Genesis ends with so Esau despised his birthright. When we see our glorious inheritance, when we have a revelation of it, we will not despise it for anything that this world has to offer. And that's why I say we need to look at the last four chapters of Revelation and we need to understand and know what God has for his people. The second thing that we need to see in these last four chapters that is so incredibly important and it's difficult but it is incredibly important and we see it. Both of these things are playing out in these last chapters and this is the terrifying judgment of the wicked. Not only do we see the glorious inheritance of the saints, but we see the the terrible and terrifying judgment of those who will not trust Jesus as Savior and Lord, of those who who are led astray by the enemy, who are enemies of the cross, who live for the things of this world. And it is terrifying, this judgment that is coming, the destruction of the wicked, and we need a revelation of it as much as we need a revelation of our inheritance that awaits us. We need to know that God is perfectly good, He is perfectly loving, He is perfectly just, and His justice and His judgment will come, and the judgment of the wicked will take place, and I don't want any part of it, and you don't want any part of it, And nobody has to have any part of it because we live in the glorious, wonderful time where everyone can, if they will, call on the name of the Lord and be saved and and escape the coming judgment and enter into the glorious inheritance of the saints. Today, if you have not trusted Jesus You can trust Jesus today and have your name written in the Lamb's book of life and enter into relationship with Christ where the inheritance of the saints becomes your inheritance and you are saved and you escape the judgment of the wicked. When we see the judgment of the wicked, we start to recognize And understand that we do have a Savior and we are in need of a Savior. I think sometimes people think, what do I need saved from? You need saved from this. Because you can't can't escape it on your own. And we recognize this and so many other things in Scripture start to make sense. Now we came to last Sunday, uh, the end of the tribulation Uh, period of time. Praise the Lord. Although it hasn't begun yet, we came to the end of it because we're just talking about it because it's a future 
event. The end of it in chapter 19, where we see these two things playing out. The inheritance of the saints, the terrible judgment of the wicked. If you remember, uh, the, the dragon, Satan, the beast, the Antichrist, and the false prophet of the beast have gathered the armies of this world in a battle against our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the armies of heaven. Now I think these people are so deceived by the beast and his and, and his false prophet and the miracles that he's done and probably by the incredible technology of this world that they feel like they can come and advance against our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and be victorious over him. But this battle takes place and what happens is the beast is captured and the false prophet is captured, and then everyone else is killed by the sword that comes from the, from the mouth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Jesus and the armies of heaven are completely victorious. Now, the beast and the false prophet are then thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where they forever will be. Then we come in to chapter 20 as the story continues. And I'll just start to read this to you, to read chapter 20 to you. And, and, and this, is, this is kind of difficult, controversial passages of Scripture here to understand. But, but let's work through this. And, and, and what we see here is, is wonderful, and I get so excited about it because, because we just see the glorious inheritance of the saints and so many, so many fears that are in our world today that are so crazy to me but are so real to, to, to others are wiped away when we start to understand these scriptures. And I hope if, if any of you are struggling with fear this morning that that would be wiped away in Jesus' name. And if any of you online are, that we would see our glorious inheritance and know what is to come and that all of these things would, would be wiped away, would be taken care of. By the way, a, a very important help uh, to studying the Scripture and understanding the Scripture and to forming uh, sound doctrine, right, is, is one of the things that we are as a people of God to do. We are to form and have sound doctrine and we are to, we are to teach and preach sound doctrine. One of, the, one of the main jobs that I have as a pastor is to preach and teach sound doctrine and to rebuke and stand against those who don't. And time to time you have to do that. Not only do I have to preach it, I have to call out and stand against those uh, who uh, do not. And you get into some of these things, they can be difficult to understand, and all kinds of weird doctrines can come out of them if you don't understand something very important uh, that Jesus said in we don't have to go there, but you can just remember it. In Matthew 22, uh, 29 uh, through 32, he was asked a question about doctrine, uh, about the resurrection, where, where, where people were off in their thinking, and he answered the question by saying, you guys are wrong, you're in error, and he said this, he said, this is why, because you don't know the power of God or the word of God. You don't know the scriptures, and you don't know the power of God. Uh, so when you're forming 
sound doctrine, a, a, a wonderful help is to, is to filter everything through the power of God and the Word of God. And when you filter everything through the power of God and the Word of God, it will greatly help you to, uh, to form uh, in your life uh, sound, uh, true uh, doctrine uh, so that we will not be led astray by uh, the enemy. Like sometimes people will say something like, like, you know, we know the Bible's not true because how in the world could Noah fit all those animals on that ark, on that boat? But they forget the power of God. That is, that is nothing at all for the power of God to do that. He is able to do the impossible. He can do what cannot be done. If he can make the sun stand still or a fish come up out of the water with enough money in its mouth to pay their taxes, he can make animals fit on a boat. The power of God. You see how that helps our doctrine. We've got to remember the power of God and then we've got to remember the word of God and study the word of God and that'll help us to form sound doctrine. Now here as the story continues in Revelation uh, chapter 20, remember this, the, the, the battle is over, Jesus has been victorious and his armies uh, have been uh, victorious, the beast has been taken care of, the false prophet been taken care of, but nothing has happened with the dragon yet, so here's where it goes in Revelation 20. Uh, verse 1, and I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss, and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, description here again, that ancient serpent who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. So this angel comes, chain, key, he binds the devil. Satan, this ancient serpent. So we get this picture of who he is again, all the way back to the serpent in the Garden of Eden who deceived Eve. This is who he is. And he binds him for a thousand years. So now we have a thousand years mentioned in here where Satan is bound. Verse 3. He threw him into the abyss. I, I kind of like that image right there. You know, he's got the chain and and like maybe like kind of winds up a little bit and just slings the dragon into the uh, into the uh, abyss uh, for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended, right? So here, just let me point out again, we're three verses into Revelation 20, and, and here we've got a thousand year period of time mentioned again. He is thrown into the abyss, and he cannot deceive the nations for a thousand years until that time period is ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. So it doesn't tell us here why he must be set free, but it does say that he must be set free for a short period of time. So, so here now, you know, that can be kind of a difficult thing for us to grasp and to understand, but here what we need to do is we need to remember who God is and know that not only is he good and loving, perfectly so, but he is also perfectly just, right? So we learn from Scripture the love of God, the goodness of God. We also learn from Scripture the faithfulness of God and the justice 
of God, that he is just and justifier. So, so in God's wisdom and in his understanding of justice, the dragon must be set free for a short time. John continues to see here uh, in verse in verse 4, I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who, have been, who had been beheaded because of their testimony for Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast, the Antichrist, or his image, remember that got set up, uh, that, the, uh, that the false prophet was able to give power to speak, and had not received uh, his mark on their foreheads or, or their hands. Remember we learned about the mark of the beast. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So here again we have this, this thousand year uh, period of time that has... Uh, been mentioned. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the until the thousand years were ended. So, what is that? Five times, right there. I think that a thousand years uh, are mentioned here, uh, and and that there are those uh, who are uh, who are uh, who are uh, going to be part of it, and those who are not uh, going to be part of it. And what what has happened to the beast, and to the and to the false prophet, and to the dragon? Uh, continuing here. Uh, in verse 5, uh, this is the first resurrection. Verse 6, blessed and holy are those who have part in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with Him for a thousand years. So here again, just pointing out, a thousand years is mentioned again. And here we are seeing the terrifying judgment of the wicked along with the glorious inheritance of the saints. We see that there are those who are seated on thrones of judgment. And we see that there are those who are being resurrected. We see that there are those who will rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. So let's pause right here and, and let's just talk about these uh, verses for a moment and see if we can gain uh, some understanding uh, on, on this. What we have gotten to here in our timeline is the, is the thousand year reign of Christ, right? It, we call it a thousand year reign of Christ because what have we already gotten to, right? This thousand year period of time has been mentioned Six times it has been mentioned with beginning and end to this thousand year period of time. We recognize here that Jesus has come and he has conquered. He has defeated uh, the, uh, the, the beast, the antichrist, the false prophet. He has defeated Satan and now he has set up a rule and reign on the earth. Now this is prophesied in other scriptures. One of them that you can look to uh, is Psalm chapter 2. For sake of time, you can write that down. You can do that you can do that on your own. Psalm chapter 2 is a very prophetic passage of Scripture uh, speaking of this period of, uh, of time. Uh, so now just 
just to remind you how all of this is playing out, maybe this, maybe this will help to answer uh, some questions, is that right now we are in the time of salvation. We are in the time of God's patience where everyone who will can call on the name of the Lord and will be saved. What is coming in the future? What is coming next? And nothing needs to happen for this to take place. Everything that, everything that is needed to happen has happened. This could take place today. It could take place tomorrow. It could take place 10 years from now, 100 years from now. Is the rapture of the church where Jesus comes and snatches up his church, his saints out of the earth before the time, the day, the 70th, 7th in Daniel comes of the tribulation of the judgment and destruction of the wicked. So he raptures up the church and then we have the thing set in place for the seven-year tribulation period to take place. We've spent a lot of time talking about that. That ends with the battle of Armageddon, where the armies of earth face the armies of Christ. They are hopelessly defeated, easily defeated. The dragon is bound and enter, and now we see the beginning of this thousand-year period of time where Christ will reign on the earth. Now what happens here in the beginning of this is we see that those who have died and been martyred in the tribulation period, right? Because it's going to be a time of incredible judgment and destruction, but it's also going to be a time of incredible revival where people are coming to Jesus by the multitudes putting their trust in him, refusing to take the mark of the beast. An incredible revival takes place among the Israeli people who, who, have, who have not been able to come to the Lord are now able to see Jesus and come to the Lord. An incredible revival takes place. And all of those who have died in this and have been martyred in this are now brought up also in the first resurrection. And so think of the first resurrection like you think of the second coming. Think of it as happening in two parts, right? The rapture of the church before the tribulation period, and then the second part of the first resurrection happening here of those who have died and been martyred in the tribulation uh, period, uh, this first resurrection before uh, and, and the starting of this thousand year uh, period uh, of time uh, that a uh, uh, that, that we are about to enter into with the Lord uh, reigning. You think of the second coming of Christ this way as well. Like, like it begins with him meeting us in the air and rapturing his church. And then it comes to completion with him coming to earth with the church as his army and facing the armies of, uh, the, uh, of the Antichrist of uh, the beast. Now, those who have who have not trusted Jesus, who have not put their faith in Him, who have received the mark of the beast, they are not, they are not raptured, they are not resurrected, not raptured, not resurrected, use the wrong word there, sorry about that, not resurrected at this time, that they will not be till the end of this next period of time that is taking place. So, so what has happened is, is now uh, the uh, the 
the, the world is now being ruled and reigned by Christ and by the saints for a thousand years with Jesus as, as judge and as king and with the, the devil bound and, and locked away for this entire period of time. And this is a wonderful, wonderful period of time on the earth. This is part of our glorious inheritance as the saints as we will rule and reign with Christ on the earth. Now there are so many questions that come from this thousand year uh, period uh, of time. And, and we could try uh, this morning to answer a few uh, of these questions uh, by, by reading some of the scriptures. There are so many. We don't have time this morning to read all of these uh, scriptures. But there are so many uh, that speak to this wonderful, wonderful uh, period of time on earth where Jesus is reigning where everything has shifted and changed. I mean, think about this. Not only are all the wicked gone, but the devil is bound as well. And Jesus is reigning on the earth. So think about the righteousness and the peace that will be on this, on this earth as Jesus reigns as, as a just Judge, who is the one who is solving conflicts and dealing with problems and setting up the rule. And we, the saints, the church, are ruling and reigning with him. There, it's going to be a, a glorious and wonderful time. And, and I, love, I love this because, because it means that, that even after the tribulation, the earth is still here for another thousand years changed a little bit but still here right this this solves so many fears that are out there uh, that that uh, that I hear young people talk about some of this stuff and and it, and it makes me want to just sh- and I do I actually just share this with them that these things are not going to happen that that all these fears that are out there of you know, what are some of them? I, I've heard some of these. I don't really put much study into them because, because they're not going to happen. Like the sun is, one of them is like the sun burning out and we all freeze to death. Right? It's not going to happen. You don't have to be afraid of it. It's not happening. Not taking place. Right? Or, or, it's, or it's getting bigger and so we're all eventually going to burn up. Right? It's not. It's not going to take place, okay? What's going to happen is the church is going to be raptured. The Antichrist is going to arise. There's going to be a seven-year tribulation period. The armies of the earth are going to rise against Christ. He's going to return from heaven with the armies of heaven. He's going to defeat the armies of this earth, and he is going to set up rule and reign on this earth for a thousand years. That's what's going to take place. That's what is going to happen. Okay, or, or, or what's another one? A meteor coming and hitting the earth and everybody being destroyed and wiped out because this meteor came and hit the earth. You don't have to worry about that. It's not going to happen, right? Or, or, or we all, you know, the earth gets so populated that we run out of resources. Not going to happen. It's not going to take place. These are false ideas that are not founded in the power of God or in the word of God and you don't 
have to worry about them. Okay, I, wanna, I just want you to know today, all right, that, that Jesus Christ, the earth's going to be here, he's going to come, he's going to defeat the enemy, and he is going to set up rule and reign on the earth, and it is going to be wonderful for a thousand year period of time. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. He is the one who is going to free us and save us and reign with us, right? Bill Gates is not our Savior. Like, his technology is not going to do it. Okay, Tesla, like, what are they trying to figure out a way to inhabit the moon? We don't need that, okay? Or, or, or Mars, we don't need that, all right? Now, they can go for it because they're coming up with all kinds of cool technologies that are helping me out, and I'm fine with that, right? I don't mind having a car that'll drive itself. Every now and then, I get tired. But, but, but they, they're not our Savior, and technology is not our savior. And mankind is not our savior. And our intelligence is not our savior. Jesus is our savior. The earth is here. It is established. It will be here and will be established. What is coming is the rapture, the tribulation, the defeat of the enemies of this world, the throwing of the dragon into the abyss where he is sealed for a thousand years, the thousand year reign of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, where we, the church, are ruling and reigning with him. Right now, Maybe this is a good point to, to, I don't know. You know, maybe you don't believe this. Maybe you don't believe it. But here's a good, here's a good thing you got to remember, right? Whether you believe something or not doesn't make it true. Whether you believe something or not doesn't make it come or go away. This is the truth of the word of God. Whether you believe it or not, believe it. I believe it. It fills me with hope. It gives me great peace. I'm not afraid of the future because my Savior is not me. It's not money. It's not technology. It's certainly not Bill Gates. It's not either one of our parties or any president that will arise. My Savior is my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This thousand year reign of time. Let's just read a few scriptures based on this. Isaiah chapter 2. Uh, 2 through 5 uh, speaks, uh, speaks to this, Isaiah 2, uh, 2 through 5. It says, In the last days, uh, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established. As the highest of the mountains, it will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. In a thousand years we're being taught the ways of the Lord and walking in his paths. Uh, the law will go out from Zion, uh, Jesus ruling and reigning, the word of God from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning, into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. This is a time of peace where people, instead of fighting, will be farming Right? So it's going to be a wonderful, prosperous time because nobody, nobody, everybody's going to be learning to grow stuff not, and not to fight each other. 
And everybody will be at peace and, and, and sharing everything. It's just going to be a glorious, prosperous time. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. We will be walking in His righteousness and in His light. And so we gain some understanding about that, about that time. From this, it's going to be a time of peace. Jesus is going to be making, judge, making judgments and decisions and solving problems. Nations will be at peace with one another. There won't be any training for war, spending money on a war, because there won't be any war. Zechariah 9.10 speaks to this. It says, I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem. The battle bow will be broken. Bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Jesus ruling and reigning over the entire earth. It will be a wonderful time of peace. Micah 4 uh, three through four. Again, I'm just touching on some of these. Uh, he will judge between many peoples and will settle disputes uh, for strong nations far and wide. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will take up sword against nation. Nation will not take up sword against nation, uh, nor will they train for war anymore. Everyone will sit under their own vine and under their own fig tree, and no one will make them afraid. The Lord Almighty has spoken. going to be a wonderful time, right? You don't have to lock your doors. You don't need alarm systems. You don't have to carry around guns. You know, sorry guys, you don't have to do that anymore. You know, all of everybody, nobody's going to be afraid of anybody coming and harming or taking, or taking anything. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful time. Jesus ruling and reigning. Isaiah 11 uh, one through nine, this thousand year reign of Christ, this speaks to, to everything that we've really talked about here. A, a shoot uh, will come up uh, from the stump of Jesse, uh, from his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide what he hears with his ears. But, will, but with righteousness, uh, he will judge uh, the needy with justice. He will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He is a just uh, judge and he's going to judge uh, in justice. He will strike the earth with the rod of his, of his mouth. Remember the, the sword coming out of his mouth is going, to, is going to wipe out the enemies of the earth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay uh, the wicked. That, that battle of Armageddon, Jesus comes and, and out of his mouth uh, destroys uh, the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. He's going to rule and reign in righteousness and faithfulness and justice. The wolf will live with the lamb and the leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling, and the yearling uh, together uh, and little children uh, will lead them. Uh, there's, there, the beasts of the earth are going to be, there's going to be change in the way that animals uh, interact uh, and, uh, and, and children are going to, they're going to be together and, and children will be able to go, you know, ride a leopard. Hmm. Lead them around. It's, I mean, it's going to be wonderful. 
The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together and the lion will eat straw like the ox. There's not going to be all this devouring of, of one another. The infant will play near the cobra's den and the young child will put his hand in the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. It's a beautiful, wonderful time, part of our glorious inheritance. The um, many other questions uh, can be uh, can be answered by reading many other uh, scriptures. Did I give you Isaiah sixty five? I did? Yes, let's pull that one up there. There's just one more uh, for us because this, this also helps us to see you know, some, some of the ways that we uh, are affected in that, in that, the life, uh, the, that, uh, that life will be affected. See, uh, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things uh, will not be uh, remembered, nor will they come uh, to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. Uh, I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people uh, a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and crying uh, will be heard in it no more. Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not live out his years. The one who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere child. The one who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. So, you know, so lifetimes are going to be greatly, greatly extended. Someone, as it says here, infants aren't going to be dying. And if you die at a hundred, man, then, then that is like, wow, Wow, how old was he? He was a hundred. My goodness, he was so young. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them or plant and others eat for as the days of a tree, for as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people, my chosen ones, will long enjoy the work of their hands. Just a wonderful, wonderful uh, time period uh, of long life, prosperity, peace, and blessing, uh, no, no fear, and, and, and war, and all of these other things uh, that so uh, plague us. They will not labor in vain, nor will they bear children doomed to misfortune. For they will be a people blessed by the Lord and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. He's a just judge. Here we see difference in animals again. The wolf and the lamb will feed together and the lion will eat straw like the ox and dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. Wonderful, wonderful time is our glorious inheritance that awaits us, that is for 
us and we will rule and reign with Christ and enjoy this thousand year period of time. Uh, Christ is going to affect the earth in such a way. Uh, The earth is going to be shifted and changed. I don't know exactly how all of it works, but it is going to be wonderful. People are going to live, 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 going to be blessed and prosperous. There's going to be great uh, peace that will be upon the earth for a thousand years. If you've got like a huge bucket list of things that you want to do that you don't feel like you're going to get them done, you're going to have a thousand years to check some of them off. You know? Not a cool thought. Praise the Lord. All these things are, are coming. Verse 7, the, the story continues. When the thousand years are over, so here we have the thousand years mentioned again and them uh, coming to an end, now, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. In number, they are like the sand on the seashore. They march across the breadth of the earth and surround the camp of God's people, the city that he loves. Now this is a, a you know, troubling passage of Scripture here as Satan is released. This deceptive, deceptive serpent is able to go and deceive multitudes that are so large that it says here that, you know, that their number is like the sand on the seashore. And he is so deceptive that even in this time he is able to deceive, rally an army, and get them to march against uh, Jesus even in this, even at the end of this thousand year period of time, this has always been mind blowing to me. I can't even wrap my mind around it or figure out how in the world it will take it will take place. But we understand that that God said that this must take place. And one of the reasons that it must take place is because every generation has to have the opportunity to embrace freely Christ or to freely deny Christ. So here, even this generation will have this opportunity to be led astray and deceived or to embrace and stand with Christ. But many, many, many will be deceived which is so mind-blowing, and they will march across the breadth of the earth to face, uh, to face the Lord uh, in His camp. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. Verse 9, just, it was just over. Verse 10, And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had already been thrown. Remember, they've already been thrown into the lake. Now the dragon, the devil, is taken, and now he is forever thrown into the lake of burning sulfur. And we start to get a glimpse here again, like we've been looking at the the glorious inheritance of the saints. Now we start to see the terrifying judgment of the devil, of the beast, of the false prophet, and of the wicked. They will be tormented day and night forever 
and ever. Verse 11, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, earth and sky, fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. (laughs) Our God is mighty and glorious and awesome. I don't know what this means. I'm not even sure John, I think John saw something that he couldn't even figure out. And so he just, this is what I saw. Earth and sky fled from him and they, and they couldn't go anywhere. There wasn't anywhere to go. In verse 12, I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of, of life. So here John sees the throne, the great white throne, and he sees the dead, great and small, who have been, who have, uh, who have, who have been uh, uh, dead, uh, you know, in the tribulation and in the times before, and all of these books are opened up, and then he points out that among all of these books, there's another book opened. It is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. And the sea, so it's now the, the, there's this judgment going on. Everyone is judged by what they have done as recorded in all of these books that are open. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. Each person was judged according to what he had done. Each person was judged, each and every one judged according to what they had done. Verse 14, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The devil is now forever thrown into the lake of fire. The beast is now forever thrown. The false prophet is now forever thrown. Death and Hades are now forever thrown into the lake of fire. This is not bound in an abyss and locked up for a thousand years. This is forever thrown here. This is gone. Death and Hades are gone now forever. Hallelujah. Death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Verse 15. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life. This is the Lamb's book of life. If anyone's name was not found written in the Lamb's book of life. He was thrown into the lake of fire. They will be thrown into the lake of fire. Of fire. I know this is. I know this is tough, right? It's hard, hard read, hard preaching stuff. But remember, our God is a just God. He justly judges, and He will justly judge. That is why one of the one of the things that Scripture speaks about is the fear of the Lord, because He is a just judge. So now we have. So now we have the lake of fire, we have the devil is thrown, the false prophet is thrown, the beast is thrown, death and Hades are thrown, and everyone whose name is not written in the Lamb's book of life is judged and thrown into the lake of fire. See, I told you there is a glorious inheritance in the saints. There is a terrifying judgment for the wicked. Both of these are certain. Both of these are true. And you say, wait, 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 Pastor, you know, I don't care because I don't believe in that. 
I don't believe in the glorious inheritance and I don't believe in the lake of fire. I don't believe in the inheritance of the saints and I don't believe in the judgment of the wicked. And, and, and I need to address that because there's this idea that I don't know that anybody verbalizes, but many, but many in their heart, even though they can't probably articulate it, they believe it. They, that, that if I don't believe in something, then it doesn't apply to me. I think if I don't believe in the lake of fire, then for me it doesn't apply. Right? Pastor Jason, you believe in the lake of fire, so for you it applies. Right? It's this idea of, of, of that we all have our ideas and all of our ideas are true. Right? And you say, so I don't believe in this, so it's not going to happen to me. That is a false doctrine, false idea, deception from the enemy. Whether you believe in heaven or not, heaven exists. Whether you believe in the lake of fire or not, it exists. Whether you believe in the glorious inheritance or not, the glorious inheritance exists. Whether you believe in this terrifying judgment or not, this terrifying judgment exists. And whether you believe in the white throne and the one who sits upon the throne or not, someday you, if you don't believe in him, will face him here and you will face him on your works. You will stand before him based on what you have done. And based on what you have done will be the only merit you have into receiving that glorious inheritance. And here we discover that no one receives a glorious inheritance of the saints by works. No one receives it by what they have done. They receive it if their name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Nobody is coming to the Father based on good works, based on all the things that they have done. They are coming to the Father based on the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How do you want to stand before God? Do you want to stand before Him based on your good works? Or do you want to stand before him pleading the blood of the lamb, declaring my faith and trust is in Jesus. He is my Lord and my Savior. You see, this is, this is terrifying, right? But it's also exciting. It's also good news if we remember the time that we live in. This day has not yet come. The thousand-year reign of Christ has not yet come. This day of the second death has not yet come. We live in a day where we can be saved from this. We live in a day where we can escape this. This doesn't have to be anyone's destiny. Remember 2 Peter 3, 9, that God is not slow as we understand slowness, that He is patient because He doesn't want anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. He doesn't want us to perish. This is why John 3, 16 is so beautiful and powerful because it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever Anyone who will, who believes in Jesus, will not perish, will not have this judgment, will not have the second death. They will be in the first resurrection and will not 
be in the second death. And Revelation told us that there's blessed are those who are in the first resurrection because they have entered into the glorious inheritance of the saints and have escaped or been saved from the terrifying judgment of the wicked. Today is the day of salvation. Today, if you hear His voice, don't harden your heart. Don't run to the enemy or the things of this world. Don't try to stand in your own wisdom or power or might or works. Plead the blood of the Lamb. Be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Have your name written in the Lamb's book of life. We live in a glorious time where everyone who will, everyone can, if you will, Everyone can, if you will, come to Jesus. Put your faith and trust in Him. Be saved from this terrible judgment and enter in to the glorious inheritance of the saints. Will you trust Jesus today? Will you trust Jesus today? Will you make Him your Lord and Savior? Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Let's pray together. I just want to lead us in prayer, all of you online, just, just pray with us. And this morning, if you've not trusted Jesus, if you've not made Him Lord and Savior, if your name's not written in the Lamb's book of life, but today you want to make this your day of salvation, then pray with me. Let's pray together and let's pray and confess with our mouth and pray from our hearts and cry out to the Lord for salvation because everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Pray with me. Repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I believe that you are my only hope. You are the Son of God. You are my Savior you are my Lord. Today is my day of salvation. I declare that I trust you, that I put my faith in you, that I believe in you, and that I will live for you. Jesus, I'm a sinner. Thank you for forgiving me. I receive your forgiveness. Make me yours. Bring me into the glorious inheritance of the saints. In Jesus' name, amen.